He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Yes, he is risen indeed. Thank you for joining us today at Plevna Baptist Church as we celebrate the fact that Jesus is risen from the dead. This is not your typical Easter morning service. Uh, we are miles and miles apart from each other, but I praise God that we can still remember this special event of Jesus' resurrection from the dead uh, together. And I just praise God that via this YouTube opportunity, we can do that. And I want to go to the Lord and pray and thank him for that and just ask for his blessing on our service before we start. Dear God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for rising from the dead. I thank you that we can have hope of eternal life because of what you did. God, I just pray that you'd be at this service, that you would, you would help us to hear from you and help us to be excited and to remember uh, the fact that we have hope because you rose from the dead. Just please bless this service, every part of it. And I pray for this in Jesus' name, amen. So I wanna ask you a question. How many of you like surprises? You know, I like surprises, assuming it's a good surprise. Uh, I've had good surprises in my life, and I've had some not-so-good surprises in my life. Uh, more recently, a negative su surprise that I had was in the, in the middle of January, I woke up in the middle of the night with this really big pain right here in my middle. And uh, I was in pain for a couple hours, but the thing I'm trying to say is I didn't know that was coming. There, were, there weren't days and days leading up to this, when I went to bed that night, I had no idea that this was coming. I just woke up in pain in the middle of the night. Yes, I know, uh, my gallbladder, I've, I've talked about it enough. It was removed because uh, it, was, it was having problems. And that was, but it was a surprise. There was nothing that was pointing to the fact I was going to have this issue. But I have had lots of good surprises in my life. Uh, one of my favorite surprises came back in 2002 I met this girl uh, in 2001 and I was, I was crazy about her and, and she decided that she was going to go to Naknek, Alaska and work in a fish cannery while I worked at Kokolala Lake Bible Camp as a maintenance guy for the summer. And as we were apart from each other, we wrote lots and lots of letters back and forth all, all summer long. And uh, near the end of, uh, middle of July, uh, before, um, before she was supposed to be back, she came back and I didn't know it. Uh, she had sent... Uh, a can, a fish cannery can with a, a pig, and which is an inside joke, and a little note in it. And I, I got it at camp and I opened it up and I read this note and, and then the next thing I know she's popping up behind the counter. Was, was I expecting that? No, I had no idea that was supposed to happen. She wasn't supposed to come for another couple of weeks. I was completely caught off guard. I was very excited because she was there and I was totally surprised. You know, a good surprise is only a surprise if nobody expects it, if nobody knows that it's coming. Whether it's an unexpected visit like Leslie did for me, or whether it's your team that's the underdog going to play a good game and then winning an unexpected surprise, or whether it's this, the weatherman is calling for snow, uh, and then the next day you wake up and it's a beautiful day because the weatherman got it wrong. These are surprises and they're only surprises because you didn't expect it to happen. And today we're going to look at one of those surprises, a good surprise. Uh, it's the surprise of Easter morning. And it's found in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And today we're going to look at it from Matthew's viewpoint in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 10. And it was the surprise of Easter morning. Before we look at... Uh, 
what did happen on the Easter morning surprise, I wanna look at what was expected to happen. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse one. It says, after the Sabbath, at the dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Now these women went to the tomb in order to uh, anoint the body of Jesus with perfume. Uh, normally this isn't when this would have taken place, but Jesus died a couple days ago and they, didn't, they did not have enough time to anoint Jesus's body before it went into the grave. Uh, there was a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea that asked Pilate for Jesus's body, and he along with Nicodemus were able to take Jesus's body and wrap it up with linen and, and put perfume and aloe on, on Jesus's body and put him into the tomb before the day of preparation came before the Passover. Now apparently these women didn't know that these men did this, uh, they were not able to do it themselves. And so I think uh, they, that's why they were going that early in the morning because they loved Jesus and they wanted to prepare Jesus' body. But had they been able to do it or had they known that Nicodemus and uh, Joseph did a good job, they would, I don't think they would have shown up that early in the morning uh, because they would have all day in order to get to look at Jesus' tomb, to look at the, the, the place where he was laid. Think of it in terms of if I died today, and I was taken out to the cemetery and they put me in a casket and put, they covered me up with dirt and they put up a headstone. Uh, I don't think anybody would go out there just as early in the morning at the break of dawn <clears throat> to get out there and to look at my headstone. Because you would say, you know what, Josh is in the grave. He's going to be there all day and we can go out there anytime we want to look at this. So I think the women went out there expecting Jesus was going to be in the grave, but they loved him enough that they wanted to make sure that as soon as they could, they could finish the burial process. And so they, was, they went out there totally expecting that Jesus was going to be there, that Jesus was not going to be walking around, that he was not going to be uh, elsewhere, but that his body was going to be there. So they went there as early as they could to finish the burial process. Now we're going to take a look and see what really did happen. What was the surprise of Easter morning? Actually, there are three different surprises on Easter morning, and that's gonna be found in <clears throat> chapter 28, verses two through 10. And we're going to slowly look at these different surprises. So the surprise number one was that there was an earthquake accompanied by an angel, verses two through four. It says, there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, he rolled it back and sat down on it. Verse three says his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and they became like dead men. This surprise number one, the earthquake and the angel was both a good surprise and a bad surprise. For the women, it was a great surprise. For the men, it wasn't such a good surprise. You find in verse four, it says the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and they became like dead men. They passed out. They laid down as if they were dead because they were so afraid of the angel. Now, it wasn't the fact that there was the earthquake because earthquakes had happened at other times before. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 54, you find out that after Jesus died, there was an earthquake. So it was not the earthquake that scared them. It was the angel who was, it looks like, was the one who rolled away the stone. And in that process, there was an earthquake. Bad surprise for the men or the soldiers, but a good surprise for the women. <clears throat> because as the women are going to the tomb, you find out in Mark chapter 16, verses two through three, it says, uh, very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, 
they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb? These women went to the tomb not knowing what was going to happen, how they were going to get this big rock to roll out of the way so that they could get to Jesus's dead body and anoint it with the perfume. But the unexpected happened. Surprise number one was there was this earthquake. And when they got there, the big rock was rolled away. So then they could go inside and take a look and see that Jesus was there and that they could do, continue to anoint his body with oil as they wanted to. That was surprise number one. If that's all that happened, these women would have been excited. They would have been thankful to be able to get in and complete the job that they wanted to do that the earlier they hadn't been able to do. But surprise number one was just the beginning. Surprise number two was that, that was the news that the angels told them that Jesus had risen, verses five through six. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here, he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. You know, the angel, he didn't just roll away this big stone so that they could get inside to anoint Jesus's body. He rolled away this big stone so that they could see that yes, Jesus had risen from the dead. And he says, I got a message for you, Jesus, is not there anymore. He has risen. Why don't you guys come inside and take a look and see that his body is no longer there. <clears throat> All they saw, as you find in John chapter 20, verses 6 and 7, were there were strips of linen laying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus's head. That was a surprise. They, it was totally unexpected. You know, it, the fact that Jesus had risen from the dead caught everybody by surprise. These women went to the tomb to anoint Jesus's body with perfume. But that's all who came. The disciples, not one of the 11 who were left, came. And then when these women ran away to tell the disciples here in a few minutes, we'll look at that, only two of them actually came back to take a look because nobody expected that Jesus was going to rise. So surprise number one was just the fact that the angels showed up and the big stone was rolled away. Surprise number two was the good news that Jesus had risen from the dead and the women could see for themselves that Jesus's body was not there. And so surprise number three was the fact that these women got to have an encounter with Jesus physically, personally, by themselves. Verses seven through 10. It says, then he, go quickly. This is what the angel told the women. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now see, I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell the disciples. It says, suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, they clasped his feet, and they worshiped him. Then he said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. These women were excited. They just got to see the place where Jesus lay, and he wasn't there. They just got to talk to an angel who said Jesus had risen, and now they get to go tell the disciples. And, they, and so they, they're walking, and I'm sure they're getting excited, and they're walking faster and faster. You know, you think about people with a piece of good news. Everybody wants to be the one to tell the good news first. And I bet they were racing there. Who was faster? And they're laughing, and they're excited to go and see, to tell the disciples that, yes, Jesus has risen from the dead. 
And as they go, they're met with a surprise themselves. Jesus, he says to them, greetings. And they, they're stopped and they're stunned. They get to see Jesus with their own eyes. They get to hear Jesus' voice saying greetings. They get to touch Jesus themselves and see for themselves that Jesus is really real. It says they got down on their they they got the, they 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 worshipped him. They clasped his feet. They were able to touch him, and they worshipped Jesus. They were they were. I think they were probably they were surprised. I think they were probably in shock. It's not every day that you watch somebody that you love get on a cross, and suffer a painful, torturous death, and then just two days or three days later, he's walking around as if nothing ever happened. They were completely caught off guard because they're seeing Jesus. You know, talk about a day, a special day, a day filled with surprises. Number one, this is a repeat. Number one, they got, they got to the tomb and there's an angel there with the tomb rolled or the stone rolled away so they could see for themselves that Jesus was not there. The angel in surprise number two says, Jesus is risen, just like he said he would. And surprise number three, they got to see Jesus themselves. What an amazing day that these women got to experience, the surprise of Easter morning. Now let's imagine for a minute that Easter happened the way that the women expected, the way the disciples thought it would. Uh, and, and you know what would happen? Is that we wouldn't, be, we wouldn't be celebrating Easter, at least not in the biblical sense. I would not be here uh, trying to excite you and share this message of, Jesus, of the hope of salvation had Jesus not really risen from the dead. We wouldn't be celebrating anything. Those women would have gone to the tomb and they would have looked at each other like they did and wondered how are we going to get that big stone to roll away? You know, they, they would have had their spices with them in their little handbag or in their hands, and they would have walked up to the, to the soldiers and, and probably said, would you guys mind helping us and moving that big rock? You know, the soldiers might have laughed at them and said, get away from me, you silly women. We're not doing anything. That guy's dead and we don't care. They might have taken their spears and run them off and says, we don't want anything to do with this. And those women would have had to wait a couple of days in order to get back there with the disciples to complete this job. The birds would have still chirped that Easter morning. The sun would have still rose. People still would have gone and, and complete, had breakfast. They still would have done their to-do list, but they would not be celebrating Easter. And neither would we. We would not be celebrating anything. You know, there's a lot of people today who, who live as if Easter never really happened. Uh, you know, there's, but there's a lot of people who are taking advantage of it. You know, you think about uh, there's there's a lot of card shops or a lot of stores that are selling lots and lots of Easter eggs and chocolate bunnies and and they're selling cards and they're taking advantage of this this special day without really believing that it really happened, without believing that it's really true. There's flower shops that are making lots of money selling Easter lilies to people who believe that it's true, but for themselves, it's just another holiday. It's just another opportunity to make money. Uh, there's markets that are maybe not in today's world because of the virus, but there's there's markets that over, over the years have sold lots and lots of 
hams, lots and lots of turkeys, lots and lots of yams, lots of expensive food because people use it as a day to celebrate and get together, but they don't believe that it's true. They just say, this is just another day. This is just another way to make money. And so they, they don't believe that it really happened. But there are people who believe, uh, who, who say they believe that Easter really happened, but they don't really live like it really happened. You know, sure, there's lots of people who will be watching videos like this on Easter Sunday with their family because somebody hogtied them and got them to sit down. You know, in years past, I've known lots of people who show up just on Easter Sunday or just on Christmas because those are the two biggest uh, celebrations that they're willing to come to and to, to darken the door of a church. But they don't really live like they believe it. And you, you know it because they have the intellectual knowledge. I mean, anybody can read the Bible and they, anybody can sit in a church service and hear these are the facts of what the Bible teaches about the, res, the, the crucifixion of Jesus. This is what the Bible says about the resurrection of Jesus. These are what the disciples did. These are what the women did. And this is what the Bible says the angels did. They have all the knowledge up here, but it doesn't change their life. They haven't combined what they are hearing with faith. It doesn't change their life. They still talk the same way as if uh, they use the same language, they, they, the derogatory words. They, the st they still have the anger. They still have the, the issues uh, in life because they haven't combined what they've heard with faith. It doesn't change the way that they live. And they live as if Easter never happened, as if Jesus never rose from the dead. And if Jesus never rose from the dead, that we have no hope. You know, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 13 through 19, gives us a little glimpse of how pathetic, how sad life really would be if Easter never really happened. If it happened just like the disciples did and they stayed away, if it happened just like the women did who got there just to anoint another dead body with a perfume because they love that person. If it never really happened, we have no hope. Verses, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 13 and 14. First of all, it says that your faith is useless. If Jesus never rose from the dead, your faith is useless. It says in verses 13 through 14, it says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised from the dead. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Uh, you know, Hebrews 11 1 has a very good definition of faith. It says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And anybody can have that. We can be confident that something is going to happen or somebody is going to come through for us. And even though we don't know how it's going to happen, and we can call that faith. But if your faith is placed in the wrong thing, how much does that faith help you? You know, for example, if, if you were to take your life savings right now and stick it in the stock market because a lot of the stocks are low and it's a good time to invest, and that stockbroker, he takes it and he invests it in the stock market, but then he, all the stocks he places his money in all fail, or he takes that money and he decides that he's going to keep it for himself, or he puts, puts it in stocks and it never accumulates anything, how, how much did that faith help you and uh, putting your faith in that, that guy with the stock market? You had all the confidence, you had all the trust, you had all the hope that he was going to come through for you, 
but then it, it, it amounted to absolutely nothing. Your faith was useless. And if Jesus never rose from the dead, it doesn't matter how much trust, how much confidence you had in that if he never did. It was useless. It accomplished nothing for you. If, if your faith and, and Jesus rising from the dead never happened, it says in verse 17 that you're still lost in your sins. It says if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. That means that you are still responsible for the punishment for your sins. The Bible says that we have all sinned. Romans 3.23, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all lied or stolen or cheated or lusted or coveted, all things that I can say that I am guilty of. And the Bible says that we have all done something like that. And it says in Romans 6.23, it says the wages of sin is death and hell, eternal separation from God forever. I'm still responsible. I'm still guilty. I still have my punishment that I need to suffer in eternity in hell if Jesus did not rise from the dead. That's a very scary and sad thing. I'm putting a lot of my hope, I mean all of my hope, all of my confidence in the fact that Jesus took this price for me so that I could have eternal life. But if he didn't, my faith is useless. I'm still stuck in my sins and I'm, I'm still responsible for the payment of that cross or, or the payment of that sin in my life. There's a quote that I came across in my studies that said, take away the resurrection and destroy both the foundation and the fabric of the Christian faith. Without that hope or without that resurrection from the dead, I have no hope. You know, a lot of people don't like the Bible and a lot of people want to discredit and disprove it. You know, if you want to do that, you don't have to worry about what happened at creation. You don't have to find some little contradiction that you think is in the Bible and use that as a reason to convince people that this faith isn't real. The only thing you have to do is to prove that Jesus did not rise from the dead. If you can prove that, you can kill the Christian faith. All of a sudden, there is no afterlife. All of a sudden, there is no hope of eternal life. The, the, the gospel would be just another lie that people have bought into. And Paul says, you know, if you have, if you, if, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, if the hope of Easter morning did not happen, he says that you are to be pitied among, above everybody. Uh, you know, in verse, Verse 19, it says, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. You know, you think about the life that Paul lived and, and all the things that he endured and that he suffered. He was, he was beaten. He was struck with rods. He was stoned and left for dead. He was in fear. He was hungry. He, he, was, he was tortured. He, I mean, he, he just went through so much persecution for what? for this faith. And if that faith isn't real, I mean, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, what a sad, pointless, meaningless life. Nobody's going to care that he went through all that if Jesus did not rise from the dead. And there are a lot of people today who, had, who and maybe even you, who would have such a pitiful, hopeless, meaningless life. People today are put into prison 
People are made fun of. People don't get the promotion. People are killed. People are uh, family members say, you know what? You're not a part of my family anymore if you're going to believe that about Jesus. And if you sacrificed and you gave up that much for Jesus, for that hope of eternal life, and it didn't happen, how sad, how pathetic. You only have one life to live on this earth, and if you spent it wasted uh, on a belief that really didn't happen, how pitiful, how sad that really is. But thankfully, we have a hope. We know that Jesus did, in fact, rise from the dead. And because Jesus rose from the dead, we have hope because the unexpected happened over the expected. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 and 21 says that we have hope. It says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man, Jesus, because he died and he paid that price for our sins and he rose again. Guess what? You are going to rise again. If you have, if you have not trusted Jesus as your savior, you're going to rise again to eternal punishment. But if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, you're gonna rise again to eternal life. Because Jesus rose again, what do you have? What do you have? You have hope. I have hope because Jesus rose again. I am going to have eternal life. Uh, I have the hope of salvation. Acts 16, 31 says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. I have put my trust, I have put my confidence, I have put my hope in Jesus for salvation and I have the guarantee that I will experience it. I have the hope that I'm not going to be uh, responsible for my sins that I'm not lost in my sins, that they are forgiven. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I have the hope that my sins are forgiven, that my sins have been paid in full, that I am no longer responsible, that I am not guilty in, anymore in the sight of God. And I have hope that the life I live and this flesh is going to mean something in the next life. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 gives us a little glimpse of what we have to look forward to uh, as far as an eternal home up in heaven. It says, however, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. That includes you if you put your faith in Jesus for salvation. That includes me. I have hope of eternal life. God has, has a heaven so good, I have no idea what is coming, but I know that it's worth the confidence and the hope that I have put in, in Jesus for salvation. And since Easter morning happened as unexpected and not as expected like the disciples and these women thought it was going to, I want to encourage you to take advantage of that. And I want to go back to the, to the beginning of this and thinking about my wife, who was my girlfriend at that time, who surprised me with the, the, one of the best surprises of my life. You know, what would have been like had she, she popped up over that counter and I looked at her and said, oh, you're back. Okay, well, that's nice. I'm going back to work. How much of a surprise would that have been? It would have broken her heart. 
right? She, she tried so hard, she did so much work, and she says, I want to surprise this boy, I want to shock him, and if I don't take advantage of that, the fact that she is there, which believe me, I took advantage of the fact that she was there, I ran to her, I wrapped my arms around her, and I said, you're really here. And then we went on a date and we, we just celebrated the, the fact that she was there. But if I do nothing with that, it was pointless, it was worthless. And I wanna encourage you, Jesus did rise from the dead. It was a very unexpected surprise. And because he did, you could have eternal life. Take advantage of it. We are all sinners in need of a savior. Trust Jesus as your savior. But don't just keep that for yourselves. You have that hope, take it and share it with somebody else. There's a great big world out there that's afraid right now because of this virus. People are dying unexpectedly. People who are, are clinging to every hope that they can possibly find are willing to turn to Jesus. There are lots and lots of people who have taken advantage of such terrible times and said, okay, I'm going to get right with him. And so I wanna encourage you, if you need Jesus, accept that hope. If you have Jesus, share that hope. And if you have Jesus, live that hope. God's going to bless you. God's going to reward you in eternity for the life that you live now. You know, Easter morning may have been a surprise to the disciples and to these women and to everybody of that day. And Easter morning may really be a surprise to you as well. But it, you don't have to live like it's a surprise uh, that you don't want. It's a good surprise. And I want to encourage you. Jesus did really rise again from the dead so that you can have eternal life. Take advantage of it and live, live that, that hope and share it with other people. And make this an Easter surprise for the world, for everybody you come in contact with. Let's pray and thank God for this. Dear God, I thank you so much for coming to this earth to die on a cross so that we can have eternal life. It is a complete surprise that you did that. I know, God, that you loved us, but we don't deserve this. There was nothing in our being that said we are worthy of any price for our punishment being paid. But God, you said you loved us enough that you did it for us anyway. And I just am so grateful and so thankful for that. And I thank you, God, for the world that has trusted you as their savior. But God, I know there's a great big world out there that still needs that. Please, God, you've given us this hope. Please help us to share that hope with others and help those people to be willing and ready to accept that hope of eternal life. I just am so grateful and thank you that you did the unexpected in the eyes of the disciples and the unexpected in the eyes of these women and you rose from the dead so that we could have eternal life. I just thank you so much for this. In Jesus' name, amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Go and tell the world. Go in peace.